praise God. Uh, one of the passages that was on my heart that the Lord used to sustain me and encourage me uh, through my trial in the hospital. I was there for like five days. Uh, first few days uh, I was in emergency room laying on my back on a gurney uh, until they cleared out a room in the third floor. And then I was able to go up there for a couple days. And uh, it was touch and go as far as I wasn't sure, you know. I felt the Lord had given me peace. I told my wife prior to that when I was isolating from her because she had contracted it previous to myself uh, that I felt the Lord had spoken to me in a deep time of prayer when I was in isolation before I ended up in the hospital uh, and let me know that I would survive. But, you know, that could be somewhat subjective. You know, I was praying and crying out to the Lord, uh, tears off and on because I was told by one of my cardiologists that uh, Joe, don't get COVID. Your heart will not survive COVID, you know, because it was working at 34%. And, uh, and then I, had, I was in the AFib, which I am right now, but that's nothing compared to where I was. So a lot of people, millions of people, one out of four I read get AFib, you know. You, you, hopefully it's temporary, you know. But, uh, but I was in the hospital, or before I was in the hospital, I was crying out to the Lord. And just as it was doving, not dozing off, and my thoughts were not thinking about, you know, other than just seeking the Lord. And, you know, when you're in that state where, you know, your, your thoughts are just, you just kind of dozing off. It was just, you will survive, you know, in my depths of my heart. Separate from my own thinking, I was like, is that you, Lord? You know, and you, some, when it's like that, you can't know for sure. You just hope, right? I was like, wow, you know, and I told Lisa about that. And I, I, I told her that, you know, I felt the Lord. And I think I, in my first update, I let you know, I felt the Lord had spoken to me, you know. And uh, I don't know how long, <laughs> you know, none of us are going to survive. And we're all going to die, but as far as the ordeal that I was in at the time. And, uh, but at the same time, I didn't know. I thought, was that you, Lord? Can't be sure. sure. So I wasn't making any prophecies. I was, wasn't sure. And, uh, but it seemed, it was, it was clear, though. It was separate than me. You will survive right here. And uh, so, anyway, uh, a passage that the Lord had put on my heart that I want to share with you in, in a moment. And uh, we'll see how I do. I should get through this. First few days into COVID, I gave a message and I was wiped out after that, you know. It sent me a little tailspin. But uh, is I want to ask you a question, you know, which I think is important. Because 2020 was a horrific year for many, many people, you know. A lot of people lost loved ones. Uh, lockdown, mandatory lockdown, in many ways, the government overreached, you know, for a lot of people, hurt a lot of businesses, a lot of people in other ways. Uh, and I think you could go to the extreme on that side, but you could also go to the extreme and, and infect people. I've warned you from the beginning that we need to be careful for the elderly. We need to be careful with those with underlying conditions. I had no idea I had an underlying condition. I was warning you about that. Uh, the, we're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves. Amen. People can die in this. So I think we need to be concerned about that as Christians more than anyone. Amen. To obey the uh, the second greatest commandment love your neighbors yourself but I'll tell you what uh, as horrible as last year was you know and it was interesting hearing Steve's last message because he had a lot it looks like he, I thought he took my notes <laughs> on certain things you know on Philippians 4 and first and at first Peter 4 I was like those are the passages I was going to preach from the Lord changed mine up and I'll be getting into those passages a little bit as time goes in this little series we have a little series and and how to face you know the coming trials you know think we need that but one of the things I was going to say was in my notes I was looking at Lisa look at my notes was this is 2020 and 2021 is coming but the calendar change 
doesn't mean anything really because the problems persist, you know, as much as we want to be encouraged by the new year, you know. And that was just so funny. And I thought, well, the Holy Spirit's using Steve, you know. And it was exciting. And uh, I was praising God. And I thought, well, Lord, praise God, you know. We'll just build upon that. But if I was to let you know, and I think this is important, is, uh, you know, we face not only COVID and a new strain, but we face a Biden administration, very liberal. We face a lot of things coming up that we need to be prayerful about. Pray for your leaders. Biden's, you know, the, you know, president right now or about to be. Uh, now, we have an incredibly powerful weapon, you guys, to overcome the hardships we're, we're going to go through, uh, the trials, the, the, the pain, the enemy, Satan himself, who aligns against us to destroy our faith, destroy our souls. We have an incredibly powerful weapon that I want to talk about today that will get you through, that will make you invincible in Christ, through Christ. And what might that weapon be? I could ask a hundred Christians what weapon I may be talking about in this message and I may not get the right answer. Not that it's a wrong answer because there's a lot of great weapons you could bring up, amen? But that, I may not get the answer that I'm going to speak about. Name some weapons we have. That'll be edifying and encouraging for everybody uh, to, to overcome the enemy. Just yell them out. Prayer. Prayer is huge. And, and this passage I'm going to go through is all about prayer, but that's not exactly, although it's tied to the weapon I'm going to use. And without prayer, you're not going to have it. Uh, I heard, Jim, was it you said the word? The word of God. It's the sword of spirit. Is the word of God. We're supposed to take up the sword. Absolutely. These are great weapons that we need to use. Uh, for God's glory. But the weapon I'm speaking about is not either of those, although it's tied to those most certainly. Uh, and I'll talk about it through this message a bit. And I, hopefully you'll be very, very encouraged because it's a weapon. If there's anything that's easy to obey or you want to obey is this command to take up this weapon. And there's an old story of a man who discovered Satan's barns and he saw all these huge barns and Satan there. And he saw these barns and, and he was wondering what they were. And one was labeled, you know, uh, hatred. One was labeled, labeled greed. Another was labeled, another barn labeled lust. Another suicide. Another blasphemy. Uh, uh, in all these different things, you know, uh, wickedness, you know, all these different barns. And, and the man questions Satan. He goes, what are these big barns? What do they have in them? And Satan said, oh, these each have seeds. Seeds that I plant in the human heart. For instance, the seed of hatred. The seed of anger. This, in all, and so forth. But the man had noticed that one barn was bigger than the, all, the other barns. And in that barn, he, but it had no sign. So he asked Satan, he goes, what's in that barn? He goes, oh, that's where I keep my most effective seeds. The seeds of discouragement. Because I found that when I plant the seed of discouragement in the human heart, I can have my way with people. And all the other seeds become far more effective. And all the other temptations. And the man asked Satan, he said, is there any people that this seed does not penetrate and work upon? And Satan said angrily, yes, Christians who have the joy of the Lord. 
And that little story, I think, is a really good illustration of the, of the reality that the scriptures are very, very clear that Satan does indeed uh, seek to discourage us. That uh, it's a reality. I mean, think of the first temptation in Eden. He tried to discourage Eve, you know, that, that God was holding out on her, that if she would just eat from the forbidden fruit that she could become God and this is a effective temptation because she didn't even have a sinful nature yet right she wasn't fallen yet either was Adam and there was a very very effective temptation to use it's so weird sitting down right now but I'm actually grateful I'm sitting down just in case you know I think I'll be doing well today by the grace of God I've had my best three or four days the last three or four days so I'm thankful to the Lord I feel like I feel normal, but get a little fatigued because I think that's because that COVID aftermath more than anything. But uh, but it's interesting. He was effective in using that temptation, discouragement. He wants to discourage you. He wants to discourage you, get you depressed, and open you up to drinking or any other sin, and to get you to commit apostasy, to fall away from the Lord. And the joy, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our what? Is our strength. You see, he was effective with Eve, but he wasn't effective with Job. He tried to discourage Job. Radical disease, head to toe, lost all his possessions. And what for me would be the worst, he lost his, Satan killed his kids, you know. But you know what, the, what Job said after the first wave of temptation? He said, naked did I come from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. Amen. That's a reality. He says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But then he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He kept his focus on the Lord. And it says, that same verse goes on to say, and all this Job did not sin or make a charge against the Lord. You know? And he was able to keep from being discouraged by continuing to seek to look to the Lord. There were times in his trial that he had some times of discouragement, but the Lord would always bring him back. And at the end of the book, there's a few chapters, 38 through 40, 42 actually where the Lord speaks to him about who he is and and fully restores him and I think it's important that we get this we understand that Nehemiah 8:10 says the joy of the Lord is our strength and in the book of Nehemiah this was a time where uh, they had come back from their exile in Babylon and they had discovered the law and God was having the leaders you know Nehemiah and Ezra uh, they presented the law to them as they read it they became incredibly convicted of their sin and that they had transgressed and they had been in rebellion to the Lord and they began to just heart, be heartbroken of how they had you know broken the Lord's commands and it's in that context when they were repentant when they were wanting to do the Lord's will that the Lord said I want you to celebrate now like the prodigal son who came back I want you to eat food I want you to drink sweet drinks you know and he says for the joy of the Lord is our strength and he wants us, when we seek the Lord, to have joy that comes from him. And when we have the joy of the Lord, you guys, we become invincible in Jesus. Not us, but his joy, his power, his grace, his keeping power. Amen? Because the enemy, when he dangles temptations in front of you and seeks to get you off the narrow path and puts you on the broad road to destruction, he can't be successful if you find your satisfaction and your joy in the Lord because the temptations are deflected by the fact 
that you're already fulfilled in the Lord. You're not discouraged. And if you're discouraged this morning, I really encourage you to open your ears to the Word of God because there's much beauty in His Word and, and, and much, much wonder. You know, one of the scriptures, as I mentioned, I was meditating upon a lot of different scriptures. And it was interesting because I was in such a brain fog. I remember talking to Chad after I got out. <laughs> uh, I see Lori over there shaking her head. You know, you get brain fog and keep the people that have COVID, and we pray for them right now, people in our fellowship, the people in the body of Christ, the lost in the world, Father, that you would, you would bring healing, Lord, and that you'd bring them to Jesus if they don't know him and strengthen those who are in Christ in your son. Remember, I was talking to Chad, and he said he couldn't read, couldn't do anything for, I don't know, first few weeks, month, or whatever. And that's where I was at. I was like, and I'm in the hospital, and I want to read the Word. I want to brought some books with me, and it was like the fatigue and the brain fog. But one thing I could do, I could read enough Scripture to memorize it, you know. I could meditate upon the Scripture. I could lay my head down and just focus on the Lord and give Him thanks you know, because there still is a lot to be thankful for and, and meditate on Scripture. And one of the passages that I committed to memory, which I'd memorized parts of it before, but not this entire passage, was Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, which is a command. It's a double command. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he goes on to say that let your gentleness be seen by or known by all people, for the Lord is near. And then he goes on to state, that we are to be anxious. We're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and pleading, with thanksgiving, we're to let our requests be made known to the Lord. Amen? And in so doing, he said, that God will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen? And guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8, he says, he goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever, whatever, he says, is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there be any excellence, if there be any, any good thing or th things that were, are worthy of praise, think about these things. So it begins with rejoice, and again I say rejoice, and he tells us not to worry about anything, but pray about everything, and God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then not to just go off, but think now, meditate. Let your life be about thinking about those things that are true. Amen? <laughs> true. Uh, and he goes on and gives that beautiful list I just quoted. And that passage was just such a blessing to me because it was showing me that if I could... Because I was not just under the physical trial. I was under a spiritual trial. When I was there, the enemy was trying to attack me, you know. I didn't know if I was going to live or not. But I knew to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And when the enemy would try to put thoughts in my mind, I knew to cry out to the Lord. And I knew he was my only real true refuge. And that passage just continued to encourage me that he would guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus as I continued to bring uh, prayers, which it, it says to pray, that's general. And then pleadings is more specific. Amen. With thanksgiving, being thankful that he's given us life, you know. So, but I want to, and as I planned on working through that passage with you, if the Lord had let me out of there. Uh, it was interesting because as I, I, as I did that, that command, uh, when I looked at that command, rejoice in the Lord, and it, always, and again I say rejoice, that's where we want to begin. We want to make sure that we're rejoicing in the Lord. Amen? I'll tell you what, what Paul goes on to say is really profound because the circumstances that he goes on to talk about, 
no matter what circumstances you are in, you can, you can prevail. You can have strength. Because he goes on to say in Philippians 4, 10 through 13, and I've memorized most of that years ago in the King James Version, but I'm going to read it to you from the NAS, NASB. As for things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things that you've seen from me. He's saying, I'm, I'm an example to you. Practice these things that you've seen in me. And then in verse 11, he says, not that I speak from, not that I speak uh, from, uh, not that I speak from the need, from being in some kind of need. I'm going to mix that with the King James from a, a state of want, he says in the King James, or need, he says here. Not that I speak from a, a, a place of need. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Amen? That he wants to be content in whatever circumstance we are in. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live, with, live in prosperity. Uh, he says, in any and every circumstance, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So rejoicing in the Lord, again I say rejoice, that's tied with Paul saying, that we can have the peace of God that passes understanding. Hearts and minds can be, uh, can be protected by the Lord as we commit everything to Him in prayer and as we continue to think on these things that are true and, and lovely and so forth and whatever is praiseworthy and as we follow Paul's example. And guys, as we recognize that the Lord is our strength, I can do all things through who? Christ who strengthens me. But he starts with rejoice in the Lord. Always again I say rejoice. But he ends with, in that little passage, with the Lord strengthening us, that fits with Nehemiah, right? 8.10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That strength comes from Jesus. That joy comes and is communicated by Jesus. It's not, don't worry, be happy, as the 19... Sorry, loud bike up there. As uh, the, the popular 1980s song said, you know, don't worry, be happy. How? <laughs> the song doesn't tell you. You're going through really horrific times. How do you just not worry and be happy? Well, Paul tells us how to be happy. And I think it's vital that we, we understand this. And, and uh, it, I have a, uh, a pretty uh, fun uh, Bible question that I'm going to ask you in a moment that I think is uh, important. Uh, just kind of more of a trivial type question and some of you might say well Paul says he learned the secret you know and there's that popular book that came out the secret which is all new age and the film that went with it and there's a genie that pops out and you're taught that you'll be God and the genie will give you make you prosperous you just got to think positive thoughts and and basically you know uh, make positive confessions same thing that's taught in the occult is taught in the prosperity movement to a great degree and it's a lie because you can think you have prosperity by practicing witchcraft but you're gonna, everybody's going to go through hard times the Bible says hard is the way of the transgressor and witchcraft boomerangs on you because you become ensnared by the devil now it's interesting Paul is letting us know that we are to rejoice and again he says I, I rejoice always and again I say rejoice but what's interesting about his, this command is uh, some of you may say or someone might say probably not you hopefully well that's easy for Paul to say you know, he's not dealing with COVID in 2020 and now 21. Paul's not in a lockdown 
like we've been by, mandated by the government, you'd be, you couldn't be more wrong. He thought of the, what might be a two-year lockdown or more now, right? Paul was in the ultimate lockdown. Paul wrote this from a Roman prison. Paul was there over two years according to Acts chapter 24, verse 27. He was chained between two praetorium, praetorian Roman guards. They're at Caesar's palace. He wasn't in the palace. He was in the prison, which would be less than a one-star prison by today's standards. He couldn't go anywhere. His hopes had been dashed to a degree because in Romans chapter 15, verses 30 through 33, he asked the Romans who he's going to visit before he gets arrested to pray for him that the gift that he had prepared for the church at Jerusalem would be accepted by the Jews. They, he wasn't accepted by the Jews. Didn't, didn't get to answer that prayer. He said, pray that I will be rescued from the Jews, his fellow countrymen. He wasn't rescued. He was persecuted when he came. And the third thing he prayed for is that he would be able to uh, have fellowship with them and be refreshed. The NASB says relaxed with them. Chapter 15, verses 30 through 33. Guess what? He got there and he did get to fellowship with them and be refreshed. He was turned in by the Jews and arrested by the Romans. And now he's sitting there in Caesarea Philippi by the sea in this prison for the next two plus years, chained between two guards. Locked down. <laughs> yes. But joyful. Full of joy. What's amazing to me is the main theme, one of the main themes in the book of Philippians is the joy of the Lord. You can't escape it as you read it, chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. In fact, did you know the word joy or rejoice is used 16 times in this, these four short chapters? Paul, in prison, locked down, staring death in the face, facing potentially imminent death by a psychotic Caesar, Caesar Nero, the most psychotic and wicked of all the, the, the Roman emperors, you know. He was facing an incredible trial. Yet in the trial, he writes about being full of joy. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I don't think you are facing Caesar Nero and getting going to get your head lopped off a few years from when he entered the prison or so. A little bit later after he got, he got out of prison, <laughs> he'd go back. Then he'd get his head chopped off by Caesar Nero. You're not chained. I'm not chained but with a guard on my right and a guard on my left. He was cold, hungry at times, isolated, lonely when it came to being around brothers and sisters in Christ. But the nearness of his God was his strength, that the Lord was there, and the Lord loved him. He knew it. And even though all the prayers he prayed or asked him to pray for, none of them got answered the way he asked them to be answered. But one I noticed. I looked at that text a few times. I thought, wow, this is crazy when you think about this. But there's one thing he said, that I will have joy and refreshment or relaxation in your presence. He didn't get the re refreshment in their presence. But you know what he still had? You know what the Lord answered, which is the most important thing out of those three prayers for him? Was he had the joy of the Lord. Amen? Because it wasn't necessarily God's will. Those other three things. He uses human agency. There's human free will, wicked people. He uses to even praise him. But you know what, brothers and sisters? It is God's will that we have the joy of the Lord. Amen. That part of the prayer was answered. And I thought the Lord gave me an insight on that because I was just like, wow, Lord, 
There's a part of this prayer that was answered. He had joy. And while he didn't have the fellowship that he wanted, he was still able to fellowship with them through the letters he wrote and correspondence. He was still able to witness because Paul wanted to witness so much to the Romans. And we'll talk about that in a later message in the prison, which spread throughout the palace. And he realized God was using it for the good, his trial. But this is something you must get, you must understand. That the Lord sustained him with incredible joy in the worst of circumstances. Not joy that he just conjured up, thought I'm going to be ha- not worry and be happy. But the joy of the Lord, the, the joy that was communicated by the Lord. When he faced Caesar Nero, you know what? I, this is a PBS article I read online recently. Read from online recently about Nero. It says Nero himself, and it was about the great fires of Rome. Nero himself blamed the fire on an obscure new Jewish religious sect called Christians. You see, the empire, some people believe Nero started the fire because he had lost his uh, footing in popularity with the Roman citizens. And he blamed it on the atheism of the Christians. Atheism, not that we're atheists, we believe in the one true God, but atheism in not believing in the Roman and Greek gods. The article says Nero himself blamed the fire on an obscure new religious sect called the Christians whom he indiscriminately and mercilessly crucified. During gladiator matches he would feed Christians to the lions and he often lit his garden parties with the burning carcasses of Christian torches. It's a matter of history. Now Paul lets us know that we don't have to be discouraged in the worst of our trials. That we could pray. We don't need to worry about anything. We ought to be praying about everything, right? And the peace of God that passes understanding. Because it's supernatural. That's why humans, other humans can't understand how Christians could have peace in such adverse circumstances. But it's supernatural. He gives us that peace. Amen. He gives us that joy. And it's, it's beautiful. And even if we're imprisoned, we can experience the joy of of the Lord. I have another fine little Bible question. The other f- oh, first one was multiple choice. A lot of right answers, right? What weapon? This one's a little more specific, a little more. little Bible trivia. It's a trick question. I warn you ahead of time. What's the shortest verse in all of the Bible? Come on. You're going to say what I would normally say. Uh, no, Jesus wept. Two words. John chapter uh, 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. The answer would be wrong. You would be right with your English translation. It's true. (laughs) So you're right. We're right and wrong when we say Jesus wept. There's a shorter verse than Jesus wept. You know what it is? I love it. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. The opposite of weeping. Rejoice always. Paul didn't just say rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice to the Philippians to the church at Thessalonica near the end of his letter he says rejoice always you say well they're both two words not in the Greek (laughs) Uh, Jesus wept is three words long in the Greek three words not two in the Greek and it's 16 characters whereas rejoice always is just two words in the Greek and only 14 characters long if you want to stump your Bible expert friends, that's one way to do it, you know. 
And in the meantime, you can encourage them to rejoice because God's still on the throne even though they got a question wrong. You know, we're all still learning, amen. So it's interesting. I love Philippians uh, 4, 4, but I, I love First Thess- uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 16 as well. And it's interesting because uh, that those words though are just gorgeous, beautiful words. Rejoice always. And I think it's interesting because uh, those words are in the Greek, pantote, karote. Pantote, karote. Beautiful words. Now, the word karote, rejoice, is connected to the word charis. Okay? Karote, because it, it, it comes in the form of an imperative. It's a command. Just like Philippians 4.4 4 is a command, a double command, deserving a double exclamation point. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. This is an imperative in the Greek. It's a, it's a command. Rejoice always. We are commanded to rejoice always. We're commanded to rejoice in the Lord. And we think of commands and sins and how we fall short of God's glory. God doesn't want us to be discouraged. He's given us plenty of reason in the midst of the worst of circumstances. Doesn't mean that you rejoice that you found out somebody has a, 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 a fatal disease. You say, oh, I'm praise God they have a fatal disease. No. But in the midst of the trial, you could still rejoice in the Lord that he's on the throne, that he loves us, that he's at work, and that he works all things together for the good, and that we have salvation. Jesus said, don't rejoice that you have power over the demons. He said, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. There are broader, more profound, and lasting longing, eternal circumstances that are to prevail in our lives over the temporal, material circumstances that we face. Amen? And if you get fixated on the temporal, that which is fleeting, and you lose focus of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the bigger picture, that he makes all things beautiful in his time, that according to Romans 8.18, that the present circumstance, that Paul says that I, I consider the present sufferings that we're going through are not to be compared to the glory that we revealed to us. And then a few verses later, verse 28, for God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. When you look at the reality that he loves us, amen, and that neither death nor life nor things present nor things to come nor angels nor powers amen nor height nor depth nor any other created thing is able to separate from love of God which is in Christ Jesus if you are in Christ Jesus through faith and you're trusting him you experience just great assurance and great blessing in Jesus amen and he wants you to bask in that that no matter what you go through whether you face death or life angels or demons things present or things to come any other created thing You're secure in Christ. You have eternal life through faith in Him. Amen? Not on the basis of works that you've done, but based on His grace and His death on the cross for our sins, His burial, His glorious resurrection. Amen? Now, praise the Lord for patote karote. You know? Rejoice always. In the Greek, the Greek word order there is, is, uh, you know, always rejoice, but same meaning, you know? And I just think uh, it's important that we understand from whence our joy and our, our joy really comes. It has to be from Jesus, guys. It, ha- it comes from an intimate relationship with Jesus. You can't just go throughout your day just doing whatever comes along during that day. You, you have to seek the Lord. Amen? You have to put Him first in your life. 
He needs to be your life. He needs to be, you need to be surrendered to him and his will and recognize he made you. And the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. Amen? And put him first in your life. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Amen? So it comes from seeking the Lord. It comes from knowing the Lord. It comes from loving him and, and putting him first. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 21, that I give you peace. Not like the world gives you. The world doesn't have peace. But he said he gives us true peace. Amen? And in John 16, 33, he says, In the world you will experience tribulation, but be of good cheer, joy, because I have overcome the world. See, our joy is not dependent upon what's happening. That's how the world is. Whatever, if something happening is, seems good at the moment, then there's some happiness at times. Happiness is related to what's happening. Okay? We don't base our joy on what's happening around us. Certainly Paul didn't. Amen? Oh, he was in a horrible experience. Amen? He, he based on something deeper that was happening, which was an abiding relationship with the living Christ who said he gives us peace, who says he gives us cheer. In fact, in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine. What a lovely day the Lord has given us, amen? And we give you thanks for that, Lord. Here we are at the beginning of December. There's barely a breeze. I'm thinking, should have I wore a wool Pendleton? <laughs> I'm glad I did. It's perfect for me right now. Uh, and wow, thank you, Jesus. But you know what? My joy is it because it's a beautiful day. Because if I was snowed in and I couldn't even get out of my front door, I have something that transcends being locked down We've been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to set the captives free. Amen. Our names are written in heaven. We were lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. We we're under the penalty of death, but he came and took our condemnation so we could be accepted in the beloved and be with him forever. He says, see to it that your hearts are not troubled. In my father's house, there are many mansions. In the Greek, it's dwelling places. King James has mansions. I'm okay with the translation mansions. You know why? Because our dwelling places will blow away any mansion on earth. Amen? <laughs> By far. But the greatest thing is we'll be able to be with Jesus forever. See to it that your hearts are not troubled. Amen? In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If we're not so, I would have told you. He says, but I come again and will receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. Amen? And you know what that place is? It's called New Jerusalem. He's making it right now. Or I shouldn't say right now. But New Jerusalem is going to come out of heaven and land on the earth like a bride adorned for husband. And we're going to be able to be with him forever and ever. You have to think of the greater circumstances, the broader circumstances. And in John 15, Jesus explained to us how he injects, he shares his joy with us. The joy of the Lord doesn't say just rejoice in Philippians 4.4. 4. It says rejoice always, but it says rejoice in the Lord always. Amen? That's where your joy is. If you're estranged from Jesus right now, you're only going to have depression, sadness, despair. Or you might have fleeting moments of happiness, but it's going to come to an end. You have to seek the Lord and put Him first in your life. You know, Somebody blessed me with a new watch that keeps track of my AFib and everything else. So thank you, Jesus.
And I'll tell you what, the vine, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The branches derive their life from the vine, amen? amen. We derive eternal life from Jesus, the life-giving vine. We derive our joy from Jesus by abiding in him. He says, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. He says, so will the Father that you abide in me and bear much fruit that remains, he goes on to say. But if a branch does not abide in me, remain in me, he'll be cut off, thrown in the fire and burned. You want to make sure you're in Christ, you're trusting him. That's where our salvation is, through faith, amen? That's where our assurance is, through trusting Jesus. That's true biblical assurance, trusting Jesus. But you know what he goes on to say? He goes on to talk about how he wants to communicate his joy to us, his love to us. In John 15, 9 through 11, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be, so that my joy, now check this out. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. He wants his joy to be in us. He doesn't just want us to have some of his joy. He wants our joy to be, his joy in us to be complete. Amen? Paul's words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul, practice this. You can have the Lord's joy. You simply need to abide in him. He talks about obedience there, keeping his commandments. We don't keep his commandments to earn merit or favor to receive his grace. Amen? We're saved by grace through faith. But as we're trusting Jesus, faith without works is dead, and the fruit of, the, of faith, the obedience of faith, the Romans talks about the obedience of faith, is obedience. If we're truly trusting Jesus and looking to him and loving him, faith works through love. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments in the same chapter. We're going to be obedient to him, amen? Now, I think it's interesting because there's incredible joy in obeying the Lord and serving the Lord. How many, when you get, you've witnessed to somebody and shared with him, just experience the joy of the Lord, you know? If you ever, uh, go witness. He said, go into all the world. He wants to bear much fruit, he says in this chapter. You'll have, the, you'll experience the joy of the Lord as you share him with others. In fact, did you know in the book of Malachi, it says the Lord keeps a book. And when people talk about him that fear the Lord, and they, they fear the Lord and they're talking about him, he inscribes, he writes <laughs> in this book about their fear of the Lord. He eavesdrops. He appreciates that you talk about him. That's encouraging to me because I talk a lot about the love and the fear of the Lord that he's keeping a book. And when the books are open, that'll be there. And it's quite amazing because Jesus communicates that joy to us. This is love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. 1 John 5, 3. Listen to that. This is his, this is his commandment. Or this, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and that his commandments are not burdensome. When we love him, we want to keep his commandments. And they're not a bummer. They're not a burden. It's not like, oh, I can't go out and get drunk tonight because the Lord says drunkards won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to go out and get drunk tonight because I love Jesus. I love my wife. And since I love my wife, I seek to bless her in a lot of ways. I love my Lord as much, and I love my wife a lot, but I love him supremely because he made me in his image. He gave his life for me to redeem me. Amen? And he was forgiven much, loves much. Amen? And we love him, it says, because he first loved us. And therefore, his commandments are not a burden. As we walk in righteousness, 
and we keep a good conscience and we keep the faith and love from a pure heart, as Paul says is the goal of his instruction in 1 Timothy 1.5, we experience the joy of the Lord as we seek him in prayer and we're not anxious about anything, but everything we go through, instead of worrying about it, we give it to the Lord. Amen? I can't wait to get to that part of the passage, by the way. I've already put a ton of messages together. just need to be completed. But I'll tell you what. Lord, bring it to pass according to your will. None of us know our time, but we know, I know this. I'm grateful they let me out for Christmas just a few days before Christmas, a couple days. I'm grateful to be here with you guys today. And I want to use every breath I have to glorify the Lord. And he wants you to do the same. And he wants us to experience his joy. Amen? So we derive our joy from the Lord. He gives us his joy. Like someone who puts money in the bank, he puts joy in our hearts. In fact, it's because he lives in us and we share, that we share his joy. Amen? And we don't have to, we don't have to uh, <laughs> look anywhere else for that joy. In fact, it's interesting. You know the word rejoice. And again, I say rejoice in Philippians 4.4, 4, which is our main text today. You know the Greek word is kara. Beautiful Greek word, rejoice, kara. It's such a beautiful word, C-H-A-R-A. Those of you who know some Greek, you might see that it's a cognate. It's related to another very, very important Greek word. Sounds just like it almost. Just put an S at the end. Charis. Charis is the Greek word for grace. Amen? Please understand this. Your joy in the Lord and being able to rejoice and experience the kara of the Lord is related to the charis of the Lord and the grace that he's shown you and me through the cross and through the resurrection. The great love that he's shown us. His profound kindness. His loving kindness. When I was in the hospital with COVID and a serious underlying heart condition, the, uh, one of the nurses, and I had these, I praise God, I pray for the medical staff, you guys, on the front lines. These guys are making themselves vulnerable. I had all of these great nurses, male and female nurses, mostly female. And I see them, you don't see doctors much. I just, a minute or two, I'm like, wow, you know, they cut the way the system works today. And, but one of the nurses who meant well, after having been laying there, not sure if I had heard from the Lord or not, but thinking I had, but at the same time, being told, you know, I'm in a serious situation, uh, being told by my car one of my cardiologists that don't get COVID, you won't survive, Joe. And the other one saying, don't get COVID as well. As I'm laying there, one of the nurses shared with me that the cardiac, uh, the cardiologists that were on the floor were going to get, take the, the vaccination because of what they'd been through with patients. And she said, one of the cardiologists said, I'm for sure taking the vaccination. I've lost too many heart patients up here because of COVID. And I didn't just have, and I was told later by my son-in-law Adam that he had read that 50% of those who went to the hospital with AFib and COVID didn't come out alive. Okay. He didn't do further research, I don't think, on that. But he said, it's pretty scary. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't just the COVID. My heart was at 34%. So, you know, where do you turn? where I turn every day. I turn to Jesus. But I knew I was under some spiritual attack too. And I just kept crying out to the Lord in the hospital, seeking Him, knowing that I could have the joy of the Lord in the midst of my trial. And the more I cried out to Him, 
the more I sought him, the more peace I had. To where I finally came to the point that I was good. No matter what happens to me, Lord, you take me, you leave me, I'm good. Because I felt like Paul who said he was torn between two desires. One to stay here and bear more fruit. I go, Lord, 57 is kind of a, my kids would say it's old age, but I feel young still. And I got a lot more to do, but you know best, Father. And I was able to say, not my will, but your will be done ultimately, Lord. I'd love to get out and share the word for however long you want to give me, but your will be done. And I wish I could say that was in the first minute. I was saying your will be done in the first minute, but I wasn't necessarily experiencing the peace and joy at certain moments. It made me cry out to the Lord. Of course, you have tears. You, you go through situations. You miss everybody. You miss your loved ones, you know. And in the midst of that kind of trial, when you're going through that, the only place you should look is Jesus. Amen? And I was able to look to him. And we could go through a trial and affliction and tribulation and still experience joy. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word during great affliction. Listen to this. Having received the word with, during great affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. It's joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul says elsewhere in Galatians 5.22, is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness. Against such, he says, there is no law. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 7 and 8, the appearing of Jesus Christ, he says, whom having not seen, you love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice, or you rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. I love that. With joy, unspeakable, full of glory. Just like the peace of God that's past understanding. It's joy, this unexpressible, because it's so profound. And it's from the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 14, 17, that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's peace, love, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. He is the source of our joy. Our joy comes from abiding in the Lord in prayer. I want to encourage you, the Bible says over and over and over again, to pray without ceasing. We should always have an attitude of prayer. Well, it says prayer without ceasing. We can't really do that. Yeah, you can. The Bible says in the book of Acts, the church prayed without ceasing. It doesn't mean that when you're sleeping, you're praying all the time. You're asleep, you're dreaming a lot of times, right? I find myself, when I'm dozing off, the Lord probably is tired of hearing it. No, he's not. I'm sure you're not, Lord. But, you know, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh Lord. May I be like you. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me and make me. This is what I pray. I'm not even trying to pray that prayer, but it's become such a part of my life that I'll be done with my prayers and, you know, and, and then thinking about the Lord and, and I'm not really done. All of a sudden, I'll, that'll be playing in my heart. And I'll say, yes, Lord. Prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. Oh, he tries us. I'm praying all the time. Change me. Pray, and I'll take whatever he wants to do to make me like Jesus. He even has to lay me on my back and put me in the emergency room. Whatever he has, we need to surrender to him. Know that he, we're in great hands. Amen? We're in the potter's hands. Amen? Not only height or depth can't separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, but Jesus is the Father and the Son. He goes, are greater than all, and no one can snatch us, harpazo in the Greek, from my hand. Amen? We need to abide in it. And those hands are nail-scarred that we're in, guys. That's how much he loves us. He gave himself for you. You could trust his hands. Amen? So we need to make sure 
that we're surrendered to Jesus. And yes, you know, there's a lot that we have, we're going through. And a lot of crazy things that, uh, but I want to thank the Lord, you guys, because guess what? I was told, and this is the answer to your prayers, I believe, in some way. I was told, and I was, both the cardiologists that looked at it said, yeah, your heart is only at 34%. That's why I was told, don't get COVID. You won't survive by my cardiologist in Santa Barbara. I have one here in Simi who's amazing. And your heart's at 34% capacity. Well, my other cardiologist, the one in Simi, said, Joe, he goes, if we could get your heart rate down, and right now it's up and down. It's like 120 right now. When we left my house, I checked it. Not bad, you know. Not good, but not bad. <laughs> you know, can live with that for years and years and years. But usually it's in the 80s when I'm not doing things, you know. But I could do this for, you know. The problem was it was a lot higher than that. And it was higher than that because I had silent AFib for at least five or six months. Probably before that, probably sometime, that's when it was discovered. And I didn't know it. I just knew from the Red Cross when I tried to get blood that they wouldn't take it the second time I went this summer because, or in June or whenever it was, uh, because you have an irregular heartbeat. I foolishly tried to get in better shape because my, we we're going to re-up our life insurance and I wanted to make sure my physical was good. So I didn't get checked out. I didn't want to get, you know, I wanted to be good. And not knowing I had AFib at all, the, n the nurse there said, it may be nothing, but you might want to get checked out. Well, I should have. And uh, when I got checked out, he said, my doctor in uh, Thousand Oaks said, Joe, you're, you're an AFib right now. And the problem is when your heart's racing for months straight, it weakens it. The good news is the cardiologist, which was bad news at first, said, we don't know why you have heart disease. Your heart's at 34%. We don't know why this happens. My cardiologist here said, Joe, I know why this happens. I've been doing this for 40 years. He goes, typically it's because your heart's been racing for months with silent AFib and it's run down. Very dangerous, but you can not only survive, but your heart can become strong. Just don't get COVID, right? Your heart can survive. He goes, in two or three months, your heart uh, could be normal again at normal strength. Well, guess what, you guys? 20 days later, not two or three months later, I was in the hospital with COVID on my back with people praying for me. Thank you, guys. People, my crying out to the Lord. I'm crying out to the Lord. And it's been 20 days. Then on December tw 10th, 21st, they gave me another echocardiogram, which lets you know how weak or strong your heart is and what condition it is in. And there they gave me an echocardiogram. And that was 21 days after uh, it was discovered that I had AFib. Well, check this out. My cardiologist told me last week, he said, Joe, I have the results of your December 10th cardio echocardiogram from Los Robles Hospital. And he goes, I have really good news for you. He goes, while you were in the hospital, and this was just 21 days later, not two or three months later, your heart had returned to normal strength already. It's beating, a, a, your heart's at normal strength and normal capacity. Okay? So I have AFib, but that's something... We have several people in this fellowship that Jonathan Ball, his lovely mother, a uh, number of people in this fellowship that have had AFib, Steve Riley, different forms of what's, you know, AFib. Or I remember Steve Riley when I was a little kid, young guy, man, we played ball together, football, you know, 
softball, whatever, and then he would go to the sidelines. And I'd, be, I'd go, hey, Steve, what's going on, man? How you doing? He goes, my heart's racing, okay? He, had, he thought he had Wolf Parkinson's weight. Uh, I think it's something called something like that. And, and it ended up not being that. He got an ablation where his heart's beating normal. You get ablation, it works 50 to 70% of the time where your heart gets normal again. I'm hoping to have one of those. Since I had it for so long, they said mine's like 50%. But I'm 100% in Jesus, man. That's the point. I'm able to rejoice in Jesus because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. In the greater circumstances, we have the Lord. Amen. And the Lord is good and he loves us and he cares for us. But the key is putting him first. In Philippians 3.8, Paul wrote, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for knowing the excellence of knowing Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or dung in the King James, that I may gain Christ. That needs to be our hearts. Amen. You don't want to put anything before Jesus. My, my, one of my main verses that I went to over and over again that the Lord used to sustain me, which I was blessed when I was talking to Sister Lola and she was dealing with her cancer. And she said her life verse had become this verse. And Chuck, you know, and, and Linda, <laughs> if you have Chuck in your life, you're blessed. If you have Linda in your life, you are blessed. Linda, I'm convinced the Lord brought Robert, Linda, before he died to bless them both, but to encourage him in his last months, you know. And she was by Lola's side. What a blessing you are, Linda. We love you. And Chuck, man, what a blessing you are, man. When you have a close relationship with someone and you lose them, it's the, the closer you are, the harder it is. And, and <laughs> Chuck and Lola, man, join at the hip, but join at the heart. I don't know if that expression has ever been used, but they were joined at the heart. And uh, But she tried to keep her focus on the Lord, and she told me, Joe, my, my verse right now, I didn't know this would become such an important verse to me because I didn't know what I was going to go through, but it blessed me when she said this. Was Psalm chapter 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and you are my portion forever. And the beauty is, and Chuck knows this well, he knows right where Lola is. And he would long to have had more years with her, I'm sure. But he knows that she's blessed right now. And she has exceeding joy. And she was a worshiper like Chuck. And she's worshiping the Lord before his throne. Experiencing unspeakable joy full of glory. Amen. When I was on the phone with my wife, there's several passages I memorized. Because I had some time. And I wanted to just stay focused on Jesus. And I was on the phone with her. And I was quoting, my flesh and my heart may fail, but, but God, you're the strength of my heart and you're my portion forever. Whatever happened, I would be with the Lord. And I told Lisa, I go, can you read the couple verses before that? Because I wanted to commit them to memory. And the couple verses before that, few verses, he says, I'm continually with the Lord. The Lord is continually with me. And then the next verse after that, he says, after the Lord is done guiding me he will receive me or take me into glory then after that he says 
Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you, or no one on earth but you, depending on the translation. It's all about intimacy with Jesus. Amen? It's all about being close to our God. It's all about facing dire circumstances. And the psalmist was indeed facing horrific circumstances. Because he was on the verge of death. He was suffering some kind of physical ailment. And he began to struggle because the enemy was attacking him. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, do not envy the wicked. And he began to be tempted to envy the wicked and put his eyes on how come they're blessed and they're wicked, but I'm dying. Now by the grace of God, my heart and my mind, by the grace of God, never went there, not even a little, because of the word of God, because of Psalm 73. Because I know, nope, don't look at others and how other people may be blessed right now. It's between you and me, I believe the Lord was saying. And I knew that. He has a plan that's different for each and every one of us. And when you start comparing what other people go through, what other people have, what other people don't have or what you don't have, that's how enemy, the enemy sows seeds of discouragement in your heart. Don't do it. Don't go there. Remember Peter, after he was restored from denying the Lord three times, he could just gets restored by the Lord's grace and he says, well, what about him? Speaking of John the Apostle. You know what Jesus said to him? Basically, he said, don't worry about him. If I want him to live until I come back, you follow me. Amen? You guys, follow Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. You know, very, very important. So I want to read to you Psalm 73. So the Lord shortened my message for me because I printed this out and I have a, my printer. It's a problem with Microsoft Word sometimes. will not print on, will start to print on both sides. A little glitch. I found two ways around it. But I was in such a hurry, I was like changing my message at the very end. And uh, I couldn't remember how, because it's been a while since I printed out papers, <laughs> what I did to get it all printed on one side. So I'm sure I skipped certain sides, but it works out to make me on time. So praise the Lord. Because we're doing the, when we get announcements back longer and worship longer, we'll go to 1045. But since we're up here pretty quick, we're just going to go to 1030 for a while. Hour and a half service. And when we have longer announcements, longer worship, we'll go to 1045, which is 15 minutes shorter than we were going for a long time but still a blessing but I want to let you know Psalm 73 and hopefully this will encourage you because he was discouraged he was under spiritual warfare the enemy had planted seeds of discouragement in his heart and he almost fell away he says in Psalm 73 God certainly is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart he starts with his conclusion because he wants to let us know before he goes on that he knows the Lord is good to those who are pure in heart those who put him first. But now he wants to go into how he almost fell away from this goodness. He says, But as for me, my feet came close to falling, to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant. He became envious of the arrogant. And I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there is no pains in their death. And their belly is fat. Is that true? That there's no pains in their death? Praise God, I lost a lot of weight in my trial. About 30 pounds. <laughs> Not something I would package and try to sell. The brutal way to get there. But something that gave me a lot of incentive to keep that weight off. For there are no pains in their death. Wow. They are not in trouble like other people. Nor are they tormented together with the rest of mankind. He was under a delusion. Is that true? The Bible says hard is the way of the transgressor. Many verses talk about how they won't live out half their lives. But he was only seeing those who were prospering. 
And then what he did is he generalized and said, oh, all the wicked are doing great, but I'm suffering. This doesn't make any sense. Therefore, arrogance is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart overflow. They have these wicked imaginations. They overflow with violence. They hurt other people. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They're living in these high dwellings in secure places. They set their mouth against the heavens. They blaspheme God. And their tongue parades through the earth. Reminds me of, you know, who's that guy? Politically incorrect show. Bill Maher. Reminds me of him when I read that. By the way, he's anything but politically incorrect. He's mainstream liberal. Pro-baby killing, which is, you know, rules the day and everything else. Therefore, his people return here. And abundant waters are drunk by them. He goes, they say, they say, how, how does God know? And there's no knowledge with the Most High. I mean, we're going to get away with this. God's not omniscient. Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely, now listen to this. He says, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. He was discouraged. Satan had planted a seed effectively. And now that seed of discouragement led him to, to wanting to be like the arrogant, he said. In the beginning. Now it's interesting. He says here, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. innocence. Remember, he begins this by saying, Surely God is good to Israel. Amen. And to those who are pure in heart. He knows that he's missing the boat. Now he's giving this testimony of how he said, I almost fell, he said, because I became envious of the arrogant. He wanted what they had. But he's sickly. He's on his deathbed, perhaps. For I have been stricken all day long. That word is used of someone who's been physically, has physical maladies, could be used either way. For I have been stricken all day long and punished every morning. If you were punished by the Lord, praise the Lord because the Lord says he chastens and rebukes and chases all those who are his children. Amen. He disciplines us as believers. The Bible says many are the, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, I learned your word because you, I was afflicted. God uses affliction in our lives to get us to get into his word. To get, and whether what we go through is a punishment or just a happenstance that Lord allows to get us closer to him. Because you can't think every time you're suffering, every time you go through something, it's an affliction from the Lord that he's punishing you. Often not. But whatever you're going through, always use an opportunity to get in the word more. When I went through what I went through, I learned precious passages. I memorized passages that I'd never memorized before. I learned certain scriptures that meant so much to get me through that, that I'd never gone through in depth and meditated upon to that extent. And I continued to weep when I went through the scripture with tears of joy and thanksgiving over and over again. Thank you, Lord. Your word is so beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Your word is so good. It's so precious. And I was hungering and thirsting just more and more for his word. And he uses afflictions in our lives, as the psalmist said, that we might know his word. Amen? And you, you fall in love with his word in a different, more profound way. I've loved his word since I have got saved. But wow, I didn't know. I knew I could love it more. And I prayed right before my trial, maybe a month. Lord, help me love your word even more. Woo, watch out what you pray for, you know. But praise God. I'm glad. I'm, I rejoice. So he says, 
He says, surely I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands. And he says, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. For I'm stricken all day long and punished every morning. He was saying that. But then he catches himself and he says, if I had said, I will speak this way. Not it went for the temptation. Okay, there's that scene. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and now I'm going to speak this way. I'm going to parade my tongue through the earth like the wicked. I'm going to speak against the Most High. He says, if I said I'll speak this way, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He would hurt other people. You have to know that if you fall, it's not just your soul. You're going to affect others. One reason that we're in the fellowship and we get together, and remember, Paul was locked down. Paul had a hard time getting the fellowship. He was hanging out with two Roman guards, but he could witness, amen? He could fellowship through his writings. During the lockdown of COVID, it's been hard to fellowship. But the Bible warns us not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, but to get together all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. And at that time, guess what? They were being hunted down. They were being, losing their property, according to Hebrews chapter 10. And they still got together. And their lives were in jeopardy. They could lose their lives to martyrdom. And Christians still got together. How much more should we wisely get together with wisdom? Okay, right now we're outside. But when we go back in the building, put a mask on. Keep distance, okay? You can say, well, I don't even know if the mask work. Well, guess what? During Thanksgiving at my house, I was outside because I didn't want to catch COVID. Smoked some meat outside and everything. Uh, but I think I got it two days earlier when I did a podcast. But uh, Heather and Adam were over with their masks. They were playing board games with Holly and Chad, you know, at the table. My wife, Holly Chad, already had it. I got it, I think, two days earlier, maybe then, but I was outside. I don't think it was then. They were playing board games, laughing and talking late into the night. They still have not got COVID, and they had masks on. It's hard for me to believe those things don't work to some degree, okay? Uh, so when we go back in, and who knows, hopefully it'll be really soon. But right now, this, this beats being inside, doesn't it? Beautiful outside right now. But the adverse circumstance may come that'll put us in there. We need to make sure we're socially distant. We love our neighbor as ourselves. When you're six, within six feet or so with somebody, you know, make sure you have a mask on. Uh, and guess what? What's interesting, you know, that God gives some really strong details about social distancing to the lepers. Put your hand over your mouth. Hand over your mouth and stay a distance away and yell leper. He had them covering their mouths way back then. You know, the Jews from that developed a policy of keeping social distance. You know how many feet the Jews said to stay away from each other? Six feet. Science learns a lot from God all the time. Amen. Okay. If I had said, speak this way, behold, I would have betrayed my generation or the generation of your children. When I thought of understanding this, he said, when I really thought about understanding what's going on here, I, it was troublesome in my sight until I entered the sanctuary of God. It's when we get in the Lord's presence, when we get together and hear the word, when we cry out to the Lord on, on our backs. He says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, that's when things changed, man. That intimacy the joy of the Lord is our strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. He began to go to the Lord. Then I perceived their end. Then I realized how their lives are going to end. You indeed put them on slippery ground. You drop them into ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, Lord, when stirred, you, are, you will despise their image. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was stupid and ignorant. 
I was like an animal before you. Listen, he says, nevertheless, now he talks about his end. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. You will guide me with your plan and afterward receive me to glory. Whom do I have in heaven but you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. You know, some of the scriptures I meditated upon because I didn't know if I was coming or going, going to be with the Lord or coming back to you guys, was scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, the spirits of just men made perfect who are in the heavenly assembly after their deaths. You know, scriptures like that. But a couple of scriptures that really hit me, which I end with, is Philippians 1, 8 and 21 through 25. But not only that, I also rejoice. Paul writes to the Philippians. He practiced what he preached in prison. I rejoice, he says in verse 18. In verse 25, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why he could rejoice because his life was about Jesus and to die was gain. No matter what happened, he was with Christ who made him, who loved him, who redeemed him. And the Lord said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He was with him on the earth. But if he was to die, it would be gain. He goes on to say, but if I am to live on in the flesh, it will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, meaning to go with the Lord, which is gain, or to live and continue to be filled with Christ here and minister. He says, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. I want to go and be with Jesus, for that is very much better. He's writing this from prison, facing potentially impending death having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. See, he was facing potential death. He knew it. The Lord didn't open up to him exactly what would happen at this moment. Because Paul said in another place to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, that he was brought through his trials and those with him to despair of life. That they might realize that their sufficiency is of God. That the Lord is sufficient. Amen? And that to make them rely on the Lord. I am hard-pressed in both directions, having a desire to part of me with Christ, for that is very much better. Two adjectives there, which Paul doesn't usually use. Very much better. Strong words in the Greek to say how much awesomer that will be than being here. Yet, he says, I also have the desire to remain on in the flesh because it's more necessary for your sakes because I want to bear more fruit. I want to be there for you. That was my heart, Lord. Things are getting darker, Lord. I want to be there for my brothers and sisters at Blessed Hope Chapel, in the live stream audience, in the body of Christ. I want to be there for my wife and my kids and my grandchildren, Lord. But your will be done. You know best, Father, by far. You have infinite wisdom. We see through a glass darkly. Your will be done, Lord. Yet he says he wanted desire, he desired to remain on in the flesh, which is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, convinced of this, he said, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So he didn't know when he began to seek the Lord over this issue. Then the Lord confirmed to him that he would stay alive so he could encourage them to share the joy he had in the most adverse circumstances in the Lord so that they could rejoice always in the Lord. Rejoice the Lord always and again I say rejoice because of the Kara. They could rejoice, have Kara because of his Karas because Jesus was slaughtered on the cross undeserving, perfect. God so loved us that way you get sinners, Christ died for us. And I love what Paul says there. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person. Very rare. But for a righteous person, someone might dare to die, it's rare. 
But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Holy One, the Righteous One, for us unrighteous ones, amen? What an awesome God we have, amen? That's the joy that we get as we look to Him and we rejoice in what He's done. When there's a newborn baby, what do you do? What does a mother do? What does a dad do? What do the friends and family do? They look at that baby and they just rejoice. Now, they could be going through a lot of hardship, but Jesus said that when you go through trials, He says, I'm going, but I'm going to come back to you. He goes, like a woman who has a baby, she, she experiences that intense pain, right guys? But after the pain, he says she forgets that pain because of this baby, amen? Well, guess what? In the midst of our intense pain, we have more than a newborn baby, amen? We have a beautiful, wonderful Savior who was slaughtered on the cross, was buried and rose again, that lives in our hearts, that loves us, that is always before us if we seek him. And when we look at him, we should be able to light up amidst whatever circumstance we get in because he is thrice holy and he is beyond good, amen? Praise the Lord. We have a good God. Rejoice the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice with Paul. And may we all say that. Amen. Praise God. Give him glory. We love you, Lord God. We praise your holy name. You are worth a trillion clap offerings for all eternity. And we can't wait to be in your presence and praise you and worship you forever, Father. May we rejoice in you now. May we rejoice in your Son by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, may you fill us each with the fruit of your Spirit, the peace, the love, and joy. Father, we thank you that Jesus said he wants to give us his joy so that our joy would be complete. Teach us to abide in you through this coming year. Teach us no matter what circumstances, what lockdowns, what we face, to not be complainers and murmurers, but to be those who seek Jesus and share that joy with others, that they could have great joy amidst a year of lockdowns and COVID and who knows what else may come this year. We know the four horsemen of the apocalypse are coming, Lord. We know things are going to get worse in this world eventually. But we thank you, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, that if God be for us, who could be against us, that we overwhelmingly conquer through Christ who loved us. We thank you, Father. We worship you. And we pray, Father, if there's anyone here or listening by live stream, that they, or YouTube or whatever, Lord, that they would know if they're lost, that they're dead in their sins, but that Jesus died death, a death on the cross to pay for their sins that he was condemned and accept the penalty that we deserve because of our transgressions against you and rose again and conquered the grave that if we put our trust in him, we repent and we turn to him and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your word says that we'll pass from death to life and we shall not come into condemnation if we're believing and that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I encourage you right now in the name of Jesus Christ to call upon him so you can know the Lord, so your name can be written in heaven, so you can have the joy of the Lord amidst the worst of circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen.